Uh, that song said, I'll see your goodness in the land I'm living in. You know, how many here would say, Pastor Ron, there are times in my life i got to look for stuff? You ever look, have to look for something? We need to look and see the goodness of God in our life. Usually when someone is just totally discouraged and ready to give up what it is, they stop looking. They stop, and when they, they and then they start imagining. Their, their vain imaginations begin to rise up even more. But when you're looking, you're going to find. Seek, Jesus said, and you'll find. I know that's in our prayer and asking God and seeking for, uh, to hear from heaven. But I will tell you that if you stop looking for the good, you ain't going to find any. You got to look for it. It's there. It's there. It's there. Hallelujah. If we want to live in the goodness of God, then we need to look for it. Look for all the good blessings that he's given to us. How many here feel like you've been blessed? Oh, come on. I got to raise my hand. I've been blessed better than you. I got more God's blessing than you do. Oh, come on. Somebody debate me with that. You say, Pastor, you don't know where I've been and where I am right now. You don't know what used to be and what's happening right now. The Lord has taken me places and taken me far. He's carried us. Praise his holy name. Now, I'll tell you what, testify here. Here's your chance to testify. I want you to turn to the person next to, to you and tell them, the Lord's been good to me. The Lord's been good to me. The Lord's been good to me. Amen, amen. He is so good to us, to all of us. I'm going to be preaching this morning a little bit and staying within the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we'll be going through there in just a moment. But I want to preach a little bit today because we've got somebody that's going to illustrate some godliness and faith. And Willa, we're so proud of you that she's going to be baptized today, and she didn't think she'd be mentioned that way. And I know she's embarrassed, but I don't want to embarrass you. But I want you to know that she's going to be baptized. I want to encourage folks who will to stay after when we close to go next door, and we're going to finish up next door at the baptism service, and uh, we always look forward to that. I want you to know that I feel truly that when Rodney Pike Church of God is having an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the strongest, greatest evidence is a line made to get baptized in water for people who are making a commitment and finding new life in Jesus Christ. For it's an evidence of souls being saved. And we've got to find the reason why we're around here We've got to find the reason why we're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. We've got to find the reason why we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we need to walk in that reason and that purpose. For the Lord has empowered us to be witnesses to the world and to reach the lost. The harvest fields are white and ready to be harvested. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And we need to be ready and ready and bring in as many as we can around us into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. 
But in Acts chapter 8, we're going to read an account of scripture of what's happening in the church, what's going on in the church world. And I just pray that the Lord speak to your heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you just give us understanding today, that you speak to us plainly and clearly in your word. And most of all, God, that you might help me, for I am totally dependent on you, God. It's, it has to be you. It cannot ever be me. It has to be you, Lord, for only you can bring life and power. And you're the source of light and the source of life. Now, Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you, God, that you just move in this house this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Acts chapter 8. We read an account of Scripture in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. Stephen was stoned, gave his heart, gave his life for God's kingdom and for Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 3, as for Saul, who we know later on, Saul of Tarsus being eventually the Apostle Paul, but Saul of Tarsus, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, women committing them to prison, making havoc, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. I don't think we're too far from that. I, I know we don't want to get down and low about this, but God's power and his anointing increases in the hour of persecution of God's people. Those who are all in with the Lord Jesus Christ. All in with him. And it says here, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. The church scattered, but when the church scattered, they preached Jesus. See, it would have been defeat if they kept their mouths closed. But they just decided, great moment, in, it's a great moment in time for evangelistic work and for missionary work. And they scattered, and when they did, they preached Jesus Christ and his name. Now, whenever you use the name of Jesus, and whenever you're all in with the Lord, and you use his name, you're assured that God's going to do great and mighty things because of his name. Because his name is being honored because you and I have decided to be all in. You can't have a mismatch there. You can't have the name of Jesus and not sell out to Jesus. 
You can't use Jesus' name unless you sell out to him. Now, I know there are people who think, now, that's real hard there, and people can't reach that place. But, yes, you can by the grace of God. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. When are we going to shift the paradigm from that verse where we think it's always about these woes that we run into and the problems and the hardships of life, that that verse is only used for the natural things we run into in life, when really, truly, that verse means that you're facing adversity, you're facing problems, you're facing all the powers of hell is coming against you because you're using the name of Jesus. And Paul said, hey, I can do all things through Christ. Christ who strengthens me. I believe one day Philippians 4.13 in America and among the church of Jesus Christ, it's going to have a shift. And we're really going to live that out because we know I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So here they scatter preaching Jesus and we read in the word of God that Philip is preaching. Philip is, Philip is not an apostle. He's a deacon. He was one among those men that were full. There you go, full of the Holy Ghost. We find earlier in the book of Acts that they chose out deacons that would serve tables and take care of administrative things with the church to take care of the widows and the orphans so they wouldn't starve to death. And so he was just an administrator a cleric, a clerk, uh, maybe even just waited on tables. And, but yet he scattered and said, that if I'm going to face and I'm going to move on, I'm going to move on with the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be all in with him. And all in with him. And he begins to preach. He said, well, he probably thought if Stephen laid down his life and the Holy Ghost moved on him. And if God moved in the, among the apostles and preaching and preaching the name of Jesus, then surely that name is just as true and real to me. So in other words, quit putting it on the preachers. Quit laying it on the, on the ministers and the pastors to do the kingdom work. If everyone would be as Philip and say, you know what? I'm going to transition from a deacon to an evangelist. And every one of us are evangelists. You go to work tomorrow morning and you mention the name of Jesus and share God's word and tell people that you're going to pray for them. Then you have shifted from the ordinary you into an evangelist for God's kingdom. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit or podium and suddenly be an evangelist. You and I have been called to scatter and pray. Preach the name of Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that right, RJ? We've been called to share the name of Jesus. I got to move forward here. And these miracles begin to happen in verse 12. And when the people of Samaria, they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God... And the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They were baptized in water. In verse 14, now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
for as yet that he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. They were baptized in water. Peter and John, they hear from headquarters the noise going on. Something's happening in Samaria. And they are sent down there because God uses them. They lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they went down there to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we can go on and read in verse 14 through 17. They go down. And who then, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And then verse 17, and then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When this is all happening, the move of God, it's interesting that if you find in Scripture where it accounts in the New Testament, when there's water baptism, you're going to find the Holy Spirit. You're going to see the confirming power evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's throughout Scripture. It happened with Jesus. It happened with everyone. We're water baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit gave a confirmation that he is present. And so here, not only were these people believers, they got saved, they got delivered, many of them, and then they were water baptized. Peter and John started laying hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So it is separate and essential from salvation. When you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has you. And that's a whole new different ball game. Whole different ball game that later improved it later to prove that Philip had an edge and it was the Holy Ghost. Philip had an edge. He had the name of Jesus. Philip was all in and he did what the Lord wanted him to do. We find in verse 26 through 31 and the angel of the Lord he speaks to Philip to go down south. Let's read it. Verse 26. Now an angel, some people like going to Florida, you know, you know, for various reasons. But this is for ministry purposes, not for warming yourself. I, that's the one thing I learned when I moved out here. We got all the beautiful trees and the foliage and nature and the hills and, and the, the rocks and the beauty and all of that. But somehow or another, folks out here, we just like going to the beach. It's just something you can't get around here, you know. And, and I know people like going camping, but every day I get up and get out of my house, I'm out in nature. <laughs> what are you camping with? I mean, I'd, to me, go to the beach, you know, something different, you know, a little bit different. But please don't mark me off or get mad at me on that. But here, go south. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. <laughs> I like that. I mean, it's just, this is desert. This is wilderness. This is desert. What? We got a good thing going on in Samaria. People getting saved, full of the Holy Ghost, deliverance going on. This is this, but no, now you tell me to go south. And go in the desert road and go down south. And then it says, and he arose and went. 
And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all, he had charge of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he believed in God. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, now I, I want you to know something, there, there was a shift. Started off with the messenger. And when he went and went out, the messenger said to him, that's what an angel means, you know. It was an angel, but angel, the word means messenger. So the messenger told him to go, and as he went, and it doesn't say how far he went. Didn't, uh, don't know the distance he went. I mean, hey, if you're walking in the desert for 10 miles, because it was 50 miles to, to Gaza from Jerusalem. It was, it was a long distance. And you're walking there and ain't nothing happening. But you're walking in accordance with the message. And the message, I'm supposed to go down. I'm going to go down. He kept on repeating, I'm going to go down. I don't know. I see rocks. I see desert, I see scorpions, I see stuff around me, and there's nothing but dead around me, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, really, in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. When I moved here from Cincinnati and I had to go see somebody, I realized in Cincinnati I could find everything, everyone, everywhere. They, they had street names. They had, but then when I moved out here, I realized that there were certain other markings I had to look for to find certain people's houses. You know, I never thought I'd be looking for a, for a barn. I never thought I'd be looking for a certain rock. I never thought I'd look for a certain fork. I never thought I'd be looking for a certain thing, certain uh, geographical thing around me to, to know now you turn down that road when you see that. And I'll tell you, many times I'm driving there and my GPS was yelling back at me saying, I don't know where you're at. Turn around. You know, turn around. Turn around, make a U-turn, you'll turn, turn. Didn't know where it's going, but I was able by happenstance to find it. You know, it took me three years to figure out what a four-lane was. Now, I knew about highways. I knew about interstates, but I never called the thing four-lane. Out there on the four-lane. Till one day I got on, I said, oh, 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 I get it now. <laughs> two on that side, two on this side. Uh, the four-lane. Bottomers. It took me a week or so to find bottomers. Oh, you mean the marathon station over there? You know, it's just, I, I learned, I've learned now. Now, what I do when, when I got visitors come in and see me and stuff, I just talk in that, I just start talking that lingo and watch them sweat. Oh, just go and get gas at bottomers. What? Bottomers, what's, what's bottomers? You know. Here he is, he's going down that desert road. Some of you going down desert road because the Lord has led you toward the desert road. And you don't know where he's going. You're going, you got a destination. There's a reason because the message says I have a reason. And there's a purpose. Didn't say why I was going to engage. It just told me to go. I went and as I'm going, Philip's looking around and he's walking long distance. And all of a sudden you see it suddenly shifts. I want you to see something here, okay? tell you there'll be a messenger tell you something and by faith you walk in it because the word of God is a message you got a message okay if you'll start walking in the right direction 
then you're going to have the Spirit speak to you. The Spirit's going to speak to you and tell you the rest of the story. The rest of it. You're, you're trying to figure out. As a matter of fact, that's where your struggle's at. You're trying to see the, the possibilities and reality, but you, ain't, you can't see it. It just ain't there. Oh, I heard the message, God, uh, you know, and, and I read the word, and you're speaking to me here, but it's just not there. But then you'll have that place. If you walk accordingly the way God wants you to walk, and you listen to him and follow his direction, you're going to meet the Spirit along the way. He's going to confirm. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because you've grown from a message to hearing the voice of God. And you know what? There's still people today going to churches and go to church every other, well, three times, you know, once a month. And they're in church. And they'll walk around and they're still believing in a message, sort of. And then they wonder, God, why don't you ever speak to me? I don't ever hear you. They don't know. But you and I. I, I believe there's some folks in this house that have heard from the Lord before. Because you, you said, yes, Lord, I'll go down that road and I'll do what you want me to do. And then we hear the voice of the Spirit. And we have a supernatural experience with God. That's beyond. It's, it's more worth than money. It's so valuable. I wouldn't trade my connection with the Lord with nothing. That's why David said, oh, don't depart from me, Holy Spirit. Let not your spirit depart from me, oh God. I have no song if I don't have a Holy Spirit. I don't have encouragement. I can't defeat my giants. And I can't do that unless there's that anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need to hear from you, God. And some of you are looking at me because there's been years since you've heard God speak to you. And the reason why is that he's telling you you need to start walking in the message. And then you'll hear from me. That's a word for somebody. More than one. Preachers always ask the word for somebody. No, it's... There, I, I believe there's at least 10 people. Spirit of God's revealing. You want to hear the voice of the Spirit. And honey, start walking. You leave the party. You leave the exciting and step out into the unknown. Yeah. Then you'll hear the voice of God because you're walking by faith and not by sight. You're going to hear from the Lord. Let me go further here. I got... So he starts out with an angel, then there was a spirit speaking to him. And then finally he runs, he sees the spirit speaking and says, now there it is. There's that chariot. Go that chariot. Go that chariot. Right now run to him. Go to haste. Make haste. Move it. And he runs toward this chariot. This guy's coasting along. And he's reading Isaiah 53. Well, talk about, have you ever seen God set things up? What a setup. And then he catches up to the chair and says, do you know what this says? He says, how could I know unless someone tell me? And then he had a question about it. But then Philip started from that reference point of Isaiah and began to speak to him about Jesus Christ. Now, i got to tell you this. 
I'm going to tell you this. Uh, do something a little crazy, but that's okay. No. That's the whole idea I handle. Philip didn't run up to the chariot, sit this down. All right, now, I want to talk to you. I got something to say to you. And then run and carry and hold this all up in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, though, you know why I have this thing? It's not to declare to you like I'm somebody. I need it so I can read off of it. But the preacher is within. The evangelist is within. You sit down in the break room and you start evangelizing somebody sitting next to you not understanding something. You go and do that and start evangelizing. You go and you work next to someone and they got things going on. They start asking you questions. And they start asking you things about the Lord. You know why? Because they already know you're a Christian. They, I mean, they know you're a Christian. And, and then they start asking you. And then suddenly it becomes that place of Philip in the chariot. And you start sharing to them the word of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. And they'll see the Lord in you. You'll not be, you'll be just as great of an evangelist as Tony Suarez. Or any other big time preacher. Somebody, when I count to three, anybody here ever watch Christian television? Maybe I shouldn't do this because we, it may be quiet. But you know any big time preacher? When I count to three, I want you to say, how many here will, first of all, raise your hand and say, I will participate. <laughs> when I count to three, I want you to say out loud a famous preacher's name. One, two, I'm not going to, I got a microphone. One, two, three. You're not called to be that person. You're not called to be like them. The moment I got my peace and my work and kingdom and the kingdom of God was this. I had an old man that offered his pulpit for me when I was young. First, my first revival to preach as a young man, teenager. He invites me out and I come. And R.B. Reese used to say this. He'd stand up and he'd ask me to come stand with him because he had trouble standing. He was, he just, Brother Byron, come on. So he latched his arm around me and he'd stand with me. He couldn't hardly stand. And he said, I want to tell you, folks, R.B. Reese, he says, I can't, I can't preach like Oral Roberts. But he said, but Oral Roberts can't preach like R.B. Reese. Because you got a word, you got a message, you hear a voice, and God's going to use you, even if it's in the wilderness, to reach out to someone that's all by themselves. And in this day and age we live in right now, though we're after the masses, we're after one. We're after one. And the Lord is placing you in the vicinity of the one. And you know right now the Holy Spirit's revealing someone to you right now that you meet up with, you talk with, you work with. Yeah, it's an assignment. And the Spirit is saying, run up to them. Talk to them. Share Jesus Christ. Share Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to try and close. He runs up there, talks to him. 
shares, he says, after he talks and he shares the kingdom to him, verse 35, and said that in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture in Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here, see here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. I love this statement. This is the premier statement. This is the confession. This is the powerful word of a man who was a Jewish in faith, a proselyte probably. And here he is uh, probably that he believed in Jewish faith in the Old Testament, believed in God, but had not heard of Jesus Christ. And he says this. He said, you can. Peter, uh, Philip says, he said, you can. If you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized in water. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and, and he baptized them. Down into the water meant they went into the water. It meant immersion was going to take place. It meant a surrendering was going to happen, and a yielding, and a... Uh, humility and the demonstration of Christ's death and resurrection taking place. The greatest thing God's people can achieve in this world of me is that we achieve the spirit of humility in the age of selfie that wants to dominate the mindset of our new and growing present youth and the youth generation of today and tomorrow, the selfishness and pride that flows in, the greatest thing, don't let it creep into your life. Do not let the issue of you override anybody else's issue. Don't make yourself a place to put on a pedestal and think that you're more important. The day that the church receives the humility of Jesus Christ and understand that we're called to serve, we're called to serve, we're called to serve, we're called to serve, we're not called to be served, but to serve and to have humility, then God will work through our life. And God will have miracles that will occur in your life because you're, you have humility, true humility. That's what I like about baptism. See, literally and figuratively speaking, baptized Christians are all in, literally and figuratively. Literally, they're going down and then coming up. They're completely immersed. They're all in. Figuratively, they go with, and they go to the watery grave and they raise up symbolically of the new life in Christ. That same audacious drive that got you and I to get in line to go into the water needs to remain after we get out of the water. That audacious drive. Do you remember when you finally told the preacher, I want to get baptized? 
I mean, I've seen really great swimmers be nervous about getting baptized. Because somebody's got to hold them. Bring them down, bring them up. There's a nervousness of the humility. And what it is, the same thing the audacious drive you had that said, yes, I'll be baptized in water. We need to have that audacious drive when we get out of the water. The same decision. I want to serve Jesus Christ. I believe in him. I want to follow his steps. We need to have that same drive. I wish all in Christians could remain wet all over after we leave the baptismal water. You, ever, you know how it is to drip when you get out? You're dripping. And you know what you're doing? You know, and that's the way it does on carpet. It leaves footprints. For the future generation to follow behind in the water. You know, you ever been playing with, you know, have your kid ever been playing? They got in the pool and they get out. Suddenly they want to hug you. And you want to stay dry. You're already got dry clothes on. Come here, I want to give you a hug. And when they do, it's so refreshing. You know, <laughs> and then you're all wet. But I wish the Christians just remain wet. Remain wet. Don't dry up. Remain wet. And I thought, I wish they could do that. But then, and I realized, uh, you know, that there's an answer to that, though. God thought of a way in which we can. Paul says that I crucify my flesh daily. So I go in the water to grave daily. I crucify my flesh daily. Then the Bible talks about the washing of the word of God. You remain wet because you read the word of God. And the word of God's leading you and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You read the word of God and it begins to build you up and God begins to lead you and guide you. Finding where Jesus, when he was baptized, John was asked if he was Messiah. He said, no. He says, no. He says, uh, he said, but I indeed baptize you unto water unto repentance. But he that comes after me, who, and his shoes I can't even bear, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He, Jesus shows up and he's standing in line. Now, I want to tell you something now. When Jesus gets in line, he's the head. He's the leader in the line. You understand what I mean? He may have had some people in front of him, but he was the lead guy. Whenever he steps in line, he leads. He steps in line, stands there. John's thinking, oh, you know, Jesus in line, you know. I see him. He's coming. I got to baptize a few here. And we go through that. All these sinners in line. There's Jesus standing there. And then he comes up to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, Lord, he said, I don't, I need to be baptized of you. What are you doing? Standing in line with sinners. Jesus said, no, I come here to fulfill righteousness, and it's good for me to obey the Lord. In other words, he says, listen, from this moment on, when people believe in me and they're baptized in water, they're saved because of me, and then they're baptized because they're following after me. I, I kind of stated it this way. John was concerned about this would portray Jesus as a sinner, and he tried to stop Jesus from doing that. Then Jesus turned it around. The other way, and this is what, in essence, Jesus said, but John, this is what God has asked righteous people to do, and I'll do it because I do, it, do everything that is required by God. 
So when you're saved, you accept Christ as your personal Savior. You're born again. But when you get baptized, you're letting the world know through symbolism what the Lord has done for you and how you've died to the world and sin and now come alive. Water baptism won't save you. It's a confession. It's a message. It's a witness. And if you go in that water and you're, you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you know what happened? Just ask old Philip what happened. Now, when Jesus was baptized, he come up. Even the Father spoke and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. Remember I told you the Holy Spirit show up? And he does. Philip baptized the eunuch. He comes up. The eunuch's all rubbing his eyes. He's all wet and he's soaked and everything. And looking around, where's Philip? The Bible says that Philip was moved. God moved him. God translated him. Actually, harpezo, which meant the, that the actual word. Let me get the actual word so I'll make sure I read it correctly to you. That here it is. It said that. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The spirit of harpizo is the Greek word meaning to snatch. Because one may want to kind of compromise. Well, Philip went on his way and the Lord was leading him. No, literally, he was, he was translated and moved. He was snatched. Like you and I are going to be snatched in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. We'll be raised up by a spirit. And we'll be caught up to be with the Lord. Philip was translated in the city, and the eunuch got up out of the water rub and said, well, Philip's gone. What's Philip? But the Bible says his heart was filled with joy. This is what happens when we follow the message and we decide we're going to do what the message says, and we decide to be all in with Jesus. The next time we have baptism here at the church, I'm going to try and set the stage and prepare you even more. Because some of you are wanting a new start and a fresh start and a restart. And water baptism is a beautiful way of making it all happen because you're making a statement. The old man's been buried. The new man's coming up. Would you stand with me? Leah, would you come to the keyboard, sweetheart? If you want anybody else come, they can too, worship team. Now, how many here say, Pastor Ron, I believe in the message. And I've been on the road, but it's a desert. I want to hear from the Spirit. I want to hear the Spirit's voice. I need to hear the Spirit's voice. You want to hear God talk to you. He will. He will speak to you, speak to your heart. He'll confirm to you and let you know that he loves you. He'll challenge you to do things beyond what you'd ever reason. He'll challenge you to step out. And he'll use you. And then in the using, you have the opportunity of seeing God in operation. And those experiences, you never forget. You never forget the experience. And the Lord wants that to happen to you. Is there anyone in the house say, Pastor, just raise your hand right where you're at. Say, Pastor, I want to hear from the Lord. I need to hear from the Lord. God bless you. I want to hear from the Lord. I want to hear from God. Talking to students. 
I want to challenge the students in this room. Eat the fish and spit out the bones. There's a lot of bony fish out there of denying God, who God is, who he exists. Don't you believe that professor, he's not the smartest person in the world. He doesn't know everything. He knows a certain subject. Just make sure he stays on his subject. You make sure you get your grades about that subject. You don't have to believe in anything else they say. Just stick with the subject. Stick with the subject. Stick with the truth, and that's it. Because there's pollution out there. An old dear brother at the Bible college did a service, and where I went to Bible college, it was in North Dakota. It wasn't only cold, it was kind of reserved. And I was from Kentucky, and in Kentucky, everybody runs and shouts, even during church announcements. They're exciting, you know. I feel the spirit even during church announcements. I went there, and this old guy, this guy got up. He didn't even look like he even belonged, the way he was dressed. And he got up during the service, and he said, all you students out there, he said, I just want to tell you, these, these people behind me on this stage, you reverence them and honor them, but you don't want to believe everything they have to say. He said, you eat the fish and spit out the bones. I'll never forget that. It's so very true. How many of you have ever eaten a bone and saw you had a bone and, you know, oh my gosh, this fish got bone in it. Oh, oh, there's a bone. God says, I want you to hear my voice. I want you to know me. Not anything else but hear my voice. How many here want to hear from the Lord? You're seeking God. God speak to you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. I want to thank you, God, for, for Willow, for her faith, her childlike faith. As when she's baptized, Lord, she's going to demonstrate a very powerful message. I thank God for her. I thank you, Lord, for her witness, testimony. And Lord, I just pray right now, those who raise their hands, that they will hear from you. Go on and tell them, Lord, I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you, Jesus. I need to hear, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. If you don't take that prayer, with you as you leave this place today, you won't hear from the Lord. You've got to take it with you. Let it be in your everyday life. Lord, I want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. <laughs> speak to me, Lord. Father, I pray that you anoint us to be evangelists, witness to the world, a world that is so wayward and so confused, a world that's groping in the darkness. I pray, God, you use us, Lord, like Philip, that will just follow your voice. We'll go to the workplaces and the, and the businesses and the restaurants and the grocery store and we'll share Jesus Christ to those around us. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, if you've got lost loved ones in your family, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to pray right now to the Lord, save them. Save them. Save them, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, if I haven't been praying lately for them. But right now, Lord, I pray God just save them. Let me be an evangelist in Jerusalem first. Then I'll go to Judea and Samaria, Lord. I'll go home and be an evangelist in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you want to leave us on? Go ahead.
Jesus. Believe that. Believe in the name of Jesus, the power of his name. <laughs> in his wonderful name. I want us, if we will, when we pray, I'm going to pray for Greg and Brenda. Uh, they had to leave. Greg's father is near death and he's asking for prayer. The Lord just touch his dad, minister to the family. Right now, we're going to pray. Then we're going to move next door. We're going to baptize, have baptism service. In about five minutes, we'll have it. So you can leave and go next door. There's seats over there. The Lord bless you for it. Will you pray for Greg right now, for his father? Greg and Brenda Terry. Pray for Greg's dad right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we lift up Greg's dad before you, Lord. The Lord, if you're going to call him home, Lord, that you'll draw him nigh and he'll have a miraculous experience. That he'll be having a going that is a great witness of those around him. Lord, minister to Greg, encourage him and his family as they're facing this together. Let them know, let Greg and Brenda know that the love of this church is with them, praying for them for his father in the name of Jesus Christ we ask you Lord and we thank you meet us next door Lord we go next door Lord and we celebrate your word in Jesus name amen